0: the word of God, what it is that he has got in store for us today, I believe, and he will bless us even as we move on in his grace. Father, we thank you for the word. We bless you, the king of glory, you are continually speaking unto us, and you've got a purpose, in a f- of fulfilling or accomplishing what you began in us. We thank you that your word has said, you who began a good work in us, you will bring it to fulfillment, and so we wait on you. And Lord God, even as we fellowship over thy word, as you lay this table before us, Lord, I pray that may you open our hearts and open our eyes, open our ears. We may be able to grasp what the Spirit has to tell, to, to tell us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now today, I would like us to continue with the sharing that we were sharing the other t- last time. I, I started on the series for something that had been laid upon my heart. And that is the mystery of faith. That is the secret or the mystery of this faith that God has given unto us. And last time when we've finished the, the sharing, the main aspect that we finalized on was the, the aspect that we have been given a unique faith. We have been given one faith. And I'll begin by from that particular point that is in Ephesians chapter four, from verse one up to verse six, where the Bible says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Then verse four comes and brings forth, this paragraph five says, there is one body, there is one body, there is one spirit, just as you are called to one hope when you are called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one god and father of all who is over all and through all and in all and we stressed the fact that we have one faith we said when jesus was speaking to one to the jews at one time he asked them one question and said that is in luke chapter 18 from verse 1 to 6 he said will the son of man find faith when he returns on earth, he he was concerned that looking at all the population that he was ministering unto, he turned around and he asked himself that question. Will he find faith when he comes back to earth? It will appear to imply, judging from that particular question, there's an implication. It means that when he returns or when it comes nearer to the time of his coming back to earth, there will be many fake faiths, even in the church, even amongst the believers. He says, Will he find faith on earth when he returns? His church will be on earth when he returns. And yet he asks that question. And I want you to ask yourself that question as we move on, in, in unveiling, you know, in sharing and seeking to understand or to stir up our minds with regard to the faith that we have received. It is my desire that each one of us, we may be founded in that faith that brings glory unto God. He says it is one faith. He says we've been called unto one Lord, unto one God. It is unto one spirit. They are not different in uh, separate different kinds of faith. And we say this faith that has been given unto us, it is unique in the sense that it only has got Jesus Christ as the central point and as the only one to whom it makes reference. The faith we have been given does not make reference to a man or to a woman or to an organization. That is the thing that God wants us to grasp as Paul comes sharing with us this particular fact that it is one faith that has been given unto you and unto me. It is not the faith according to apostle so-and-so. It is not a faith according to prophet so-and-so. It is not a faith according to that denomination that my church, we believe this way. And that one says his church, they believe this way. I wanted to consider something interesting as we enter into the continue with this mystery, mystery of faith. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11 to 13, Paul says something interesting. He says, My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this one of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another says, I follow Cephas. Still another says, I follow Christ. Then Paul asks in verse 13, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? He seeks to, you know, to centralize the aspect, the body of Christ, is not divided, Jesus is not divided into different factions of different beliefs or according to the standard of one man or one woman or one organization. In chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter one, verse three, chapter three, verse five and seven, here what he goes on to say, Paul says, what after all, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives or who makes the things grow. Your faith. (laughs) And essentially, he is saying it is supposed to be founded not in the one who planted, not in the one who led me or who led you to the Lord Jesus Christ, not in the one who has been teaching you or encouraging you along the way. No, he says that faith is to be found only in that one who gives the increase, and that is God. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not to elevate one man over another. We are not to elevate one particular uh, sister over another. We are not to say, oh, I, 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 I have more confidence in him more than in that one as regards faith because the faith we have been given is Jesus Christ. Paul shares another place and he says that no other foundation can any other man lay. Only Jesus Christ is the foundation that has been laid. You know, one interesting thing in buildings, it is said the cornerstone. If you remove the cornerstone of a building, the whole building comes crumbling down. But if you go to remove any other stone in the building, the building doesn't fall. The building still starts, remains standing as long as the cornerstone is in place. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. He is the one upon whom you and I and everybody in the body of Jesus is founded on. Don't build your faith on a man. Don't build your faith on a church. Don't build your faith on a movement. Don't build your faith on a given ministry. Build your faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jude tells us in in Jude 3, where he says, dear friends, we touched it last time. Although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend, to fight for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. He indicates that this faith has been entrusted unto us. But he says that we must contend for it. We must fight for it. What does that mean? It essentially implies that someone somewhere is eager to snatch that faith from you. That someone somewhere is eager to quench your faith or my faith. Listen what he says in First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. He says, be alert and of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering, meaning, this one who goes around like a roaring lion, he is eager to tear you apart so that he can steal that precious thing that Jude said tells us was once for all, delivered, entrusted unto you and entrusted unto me. I want you as you sit in your home, I want you to be asking yourself, how am I taking care of this thing? This faith that has been entrusted unto me, this one faith. We are gonna come to a place where we're gonna describe this particular thing called faith. But I want us to understand the importance of this. Realize the enemy goes up and down seeking to be able to devour. Why? Because he is threatened by this thing. His faith that has once for all been delivered to the people of God threatens the enemy. It scares him. If there is anything that scares the devil, it is this particular faith that has been granted unto you and unto me. Why is he scared? And why does he seek day and night to look for a way to be able to quench it or to destroy it? If you look in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, we shared la- last time, he said, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith, the faith that has been given unto you and unto me has a powerful punch in it. It knocks the world off the, the, the stage it knocks the world off the, you know the platform and it leaves you standing with the lord jesus on whom that particular faith is grounded it is not in a man it is not in a woman it is not in anything in a organization it is in jesus christ your lord and my lord the lord of the church that's why the enemy is scared of it and thus he goes around with the sufferings to cast out sufferings upon god's people with the hope and with a desire that he will be able to quench that faith he will be able to you know snatch that particular to devour that particular faith for he knows as long as you keep it you're gonna knock him off the stage and as we move on he said you know jude encourages us in jude 20 Jude encourages us and tells us, you are to build yourself, I am to build myself in this most holy faith. Now, we say it is one faith. Now, we come to Jude 20, Jude tells us something interesting, he says, this is your most, it is called a most holy faith. It is not just faith, it is most, he, you know, qualifies. This particular faith that has been given unto us. And he says, build yourself in this most holy faith by praying in the spirit. He again now uh, points us towards a different direction. We will come to it another day in the series. How we build our faith. As much as we have spoken of, the faith comes by hearing by the word and it truly comes by the word. There is something about building your faith, that most holy faith as you pray in the spirit. We'll one day touch on that one. But what I want you to note is, he says it is a most holy faith. It is not a usual faith. It is different. It is other. When you talk of holy, holy is not just talking of it is a, a russia's faith or it is a, a, a it, it is a peer's faith no it, 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 it is meaning it is a different kind it is something that is other it is not worldly it is not something that comes from within ourselves it is different from any other kind of faith that you may try to imagine or think about it is a unique kind of faith that has been given to you and unto me. And God is seeking to start Hope Community Church West London to arise up as men and women, young men and young women, families of faith. That is the faith that overcomes the world. That is the faith that knocks the enemy off the stage and leaves you standing as the victor in the Lord Jesus Christ. The faith we profess does not emanate from within ourselves, like metaphys- metaphys- metaphysicists would like us to believe. Metaphysicists would like to encourage us that, and tell us that it is within us we can be able to you know, pump up this particular faith and be able to reach the point of believing so that we can attain higher levels or higher levels of understanding, higher levels of consciousness. This particular faith is a unique kind of faith. It is not a faith that comes from within a man or a woman. It is not hidden anywhere in our spirits. It is a unique kind of faith. and I will explain why I mean this. I'm saying that it is not a faith like that of the Old Testament believers. And you may wonder why would I say it is not a faith like that of the other of the Old Testament believers. What I want you to consider the Old Testament prophets and the Old Testament believers, you'll find something unique about those men and women. Their kind of faith was almost similar to what the metaphysicists tell us. It was so much an individual effort. No wonder you find God says of David, I found in David a man after my own heart. That is, this man wound up himself to go after God, regardless of what. It is so much of an individual effort. Others didn't have that kind of Drive. They didn't have that kind of drive. Look at people like Enoch. Enoch's faith did not help anybody else. It only helped himself. The guy discovered a faith that nobody on earth has been able to discover. He walked with God, the Bible says, and he was translated. I mean, he reached a point that he was not worldly anymore. God simply took him out of the state. He took him to be with him because he manifested something was different from the normal human nature. After Enoch, nobody else had that kind of faith to work with God that he was not. You may say Elijah. Elijah was taken up, but the Bible scripture appears to tell us his spirit was brought back because he was born as John the Baptist. That's what at least Jesus Christ himself tells us. Now, what am I trying to say? It is not like the faith of the Old Testament believers. The reason is this, that faith of the Old Testament believers did not, could not make them perfect. It was not sufficient to be able to make them perfect. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 to 16, I want you to listen very carefully, carefully, what as we share and as I teach these things. It says, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 to 16. All these people were still living by faith when they died. That is the Old Testament believers. They did not receive the things promised, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own, but they did not find that country. They were looking for a country, but they only saw it from afar. If they had been thinking of a country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country a heavenly one, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. I want you to realize, these believers, name all of them, from Abraham or every single one of them, they did not get that country yet. They did not receive the things that had been promised unto them, they died only having seen them from a distance. In Hebrews, that same chapter 11, verse 39 to verse 40, The Bible says the following. These were all commended for their faith. That is the Old Testament believers. That is their individual faith. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. That is, they had faith, but they didn't receive what had been promised, meaning the faith they had was not sufficient to be able to obtain the promise that God had uh, uh, kept aside. In verse 40 says, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us will they be made perfect. Only with you and me in the picture, will they be made perfect. Now realize I'm saying, that the faith of the Old Testament believers was not sufficient because it could not make them perfect. But remember, Chris shared with us at the beginning of the service, he said, by faith, we are saved. That is, by faith, we are made perfect. It is, through, you know, by faith, but we, are, we are saved by grace. Through, we are saved by grace through faith. That is, that faith grabs onto the grace of God and it brings perfection. That is the faith that has been given unto us. So what is God saying? The word is basically saying this to you and to me. Do not go around praying and wishing, saying that, oh, only if I had the faith of Moses. I know many times we have done that. Oh, only if I had the faith of Elijah. Oh, only if I had the faith of Abraham. When we say that, it is like we are belittling what has been given unto us. It will not make them perfect what they have, but what we have is so unique that verse 40 of Hebrews chapter 11 says, God has planned something better for us so that only together with us will they be made perfect. Let us move on. It means their type of faith could face the challenges of earthly life, but it could not escape the grip of the God of this world. That faith they had, that is at death, when they died, the God of this world captured them and kept them in Hades. They could not go into the eternal life that God has prepared, had prepared for the just. We'll come back to that. If you look in Matthew chapter seven, from verse one to verse five, Matthew chapter 17, from verse one to verse five, we are told of the story of the transfiguration. When Jesus went with Peter and and, uh, James and John to the Mount of Transfiguration and he was changed before them. And the Bible says, Elijah, Moses and Elijah appeared. Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter was so impressed that he told God, he told Jesus, Jesus, it is good we are in this place. You can read those scriptures for yourself. He said, it is good we are in this place. Let us build three tabernacles. One for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But while Peter was still speaking, the Bible says in verse 5, While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. It is interesting. The voice comes and silences whatever Moses had to say. It silences whatever Elijah had to say. The voice doesn't say, I delight in Moses, or I delight in Elijah. Those are the major prophets of the Old Testament. Men of faith, great faith. But God says, don't, no, hear only one. Hear him, that is the son who is his own beloved. Interesting, what Moses and Elijah had to say could not help the disciples with their current warfare, which they were going to face or which they were going to face. That faith of Moses and Elijah could not overcome the devil, that is, to hold him from holding these people captive. That is, who, and then remember what Jesus says later, earlier on, whom do men say that I am? That is in Matthew chapter 16, you can read for yourself later on. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to verse 19. He says, whom do men say that I am? Then the disciples started to think. Some say you are Elijah. Some say you are one of the prophets. Some say maybe you're Isaiah, or maybe you are Jeremiah. Every one of them, even the disciples, they had ideas that maybe you are this, you are that, you are that. But if you look at the answer of Jesus, it is as Jesus is asking, asks them one question, why are you comparing me to those old prophets? I am not like any of them. Remember, another place he says, a greater one than Abraham is here. A greater one than Moses is here. A greater one than Solomon is here. A greater one than David is here. That is this one, until Peter comes and says, you are the son of God. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus goes on on to say, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We've just said a few minutes ago, this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. That faith is wound up in Jesus. Our faith has a different name. It is called Jesus. Jesus is the faith that you and I have been given with him in us, him in our lips, him in our eyes, him in our hands we will do exploits for the glory of God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever wondered in the book of John chapter 8, verse 56, a scripture that I believe you know very well, when the Jews were arguing with Jesus and they were saying, we are the sons of Abraham, we are, we are not, then, you know, then Jesus was telling them, if Abraham, he says, Abraham would, would, would do not have done the things that you have done. They jumped and said, We are sons of God. We are children of God. And what have you? In verse 56 of chapter 8, of John, Jesus says some interesting word. He says, he, 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 he says this word, for just a moment, let me get the scripture. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. And I would like to ask or anyone of you who have read that scripture, have you ever wondered why Jesus said, Abraham was glad to see my day and he saw my day and he was glad that he saw my day? I was thinking about it and a thought passed through my mind. Could it be that Abraham, had been looking, as we read in Hebrews, he had been looking for that particular country. He had been looking for that particular city that whose founder is God, as the Bible tells us, but he had not found it. He had not identified that particular city as as yet, but when in the prison, because all the believers of the Old Testament, they were held captive by the devil, out death, they were held in Hades, The Bible says the spirits of just men, they were held there captive because they didn't know how to get to heaven because there's only one way. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can enter into the eternal rest unless through Jesus, unless he or she comes into the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Abraham, I believe, while he's in Hades in that prison where the the righteous souls that were still being held captive by the God of this world, he saw the arrival of Jesus on earth. And he saw, wow, that's what I have been looking for all these particular years. The faith that overcomes the tyrant, the faith that will overcome this one, who has held us captive in this particular place. That's why Abraham was glad, I believe. He rejoiced in that place. And you can see why he rejoiced. Because a few days later at resurrection, the Bible says that the spirits of just men, they, you know, they, they resurrected. They were seen walking in Jerusalem up and down. Why? When Jesus went into Hades, he released them. He set them free from the grip of the evil one, the faith that overcomes the world. That faith will break them free from Hades into the eternal rest that God had prepared for them. I want you to go thinking about that. That is the power of the faith that you and I have been given. Now, I want us to ask ourselves, how did this faith come into being? If at all, the believers of the Old Testament did not have this faith because they could not have the victory over the world as such. But you and I, we have been given that particular victory in this particular time. I want us to look at Mark chapter 1, verse 12 up to verse 13. The Bible says that is after Jesus' baptism, when Jesus was baptized, baptized, immediately, verse 12, Immediately the spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness and he was there in the wilderness 40 days tempted by Satan and was with the world beasts and the angels ministered to him. I want you to realize the spirit of God drove him into the wilderness to be tempted. Then in Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, we find an interesting scripture. The right of Hebrews tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author, you know who an author is? The author is the one who writes the, the story, writes the, the details of the book. He writes, he has the account of everything. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is not only the one who coined it together, He's not only the one who put it together, it was a unique faith. What does that mean? I believe it means this, that when he went into the wilderness, I was thinking on this and this idea dropped in my mind. I will share it with you in the wilderness because I've always wondered what was Jesus doing in the wilderness for 40 days, 40 days and 40 nights. Just pray. What what was it that he was engaged with God doing in that particular wilderness? And it dawned on me that the fact that God had seen that the Old Testament saints whom he loved, they were still held captive regardless of their faith, regardless of their trust in him, they were still held captive by the God of this world. And so Jesus goes into that particular wilderness driven by the spirit and he stays there 40 days and 40 nights. I believe he was designing this faith that has once for all been delivered to you and has been delivered to me. The faith, because when he surfaced from that particular wilderness, he came declaring that the kingdom of God is at hand. And if you go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 to 25, you can read the account yourself. I don't want to waste time on that. Maybe just read the account yourself. Maybe I'll read it. It says, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 to 25, it says, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, from Judea, and beyond the Jordan. What does that say? Jesus came from the wilderness. He came with a blistering attack on the kingdom of darkness that ended with its overthrow. He overthrew that particular kingdom as he resurrected, as he resurrected from the dead, and hence, as one John 5:14, 5, five four no one John five four, which we have read before, uh, he says he brought forth from the wilderness an experience, or a victory that overcomes the world. That is our faith, the one faith that has been given unto us. And that's why Jude tells you and tells me, honestly contend for this faith that was once delivered, once for all, once for all, to God's people. Paul says in 1 Timothy six twelve, he says, fight the good fight of faith. It is a faith that is unique, precious. It is not like any other. Guard it, take care of it. And I want you to ask this question. What faith are you putting up a fight for? You as a son, as a child of God. What faith are you putting up a fight for? Many in our day are fighting for an illusion. They are fighting for a dream. They are fighting for many imaginations even for ministries many are fighting for certain men and women of god they will fight for them to almost to death but the question is what faith are you fighting for as a child of god some are fighting for prosperity for money and for properties but jesus when he came from the wilderness i wanted to remember what what after he was tempted the devil brought food to him A basic thing that we all look for. Jesus did not fall for it. He told him, whilst he was very hungry, with a desire for food, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That was faith. A hungry man, 40 days and 40 nights without anything. And he has the power to turn the stone into bread. But he says, no, it is only the word of God that matters. Why? Because the word of God brings forth faith. Secondly, he shows him the issues of all the world, the prosperity, the prosperity that some tell us we must pursue here on earth, money and prosperities, you know, properties, that there will be big names, big magnets on the face of the earth. Jesus told him, get behind me, Satan. You shall worship only God and not any other. The faith that overcomes the world. He came without carrying that out of the wilderness to give it to you that you will not be taken captive by the gospel of prosperity. You will not be taken captive by money on earth and make you lose sight of the gospel of Jesus. You will not be taken captive by any man or any woman to follow him or her and lose sight of the one who redeemed you from the curse of the Lord. As we draw to this particular, as we draw to to, to the summarization, I want you to look at John chapter six, verse 26 to 29. Jesus had fed the 5,000 and they were happy they had, they, they were satisfied. An interesting thing happens. They came back wanting to make him to be a king. But Jesus answers them, I think later on, if you look from verse 26 to 29, he tells them, do not labor, do not contend for do not fight for do not labor for that which perishes do not labor for that which is passing away he tells them labor for only that which is of god in essence they turned around and they asked him what must we do that we may work the works of god and hear what he tells them he tells them this is the work of god believe in him whom he has sent, believe on the Lord Jesus. This Jesus is the faith that you and I need to possess from A to Z. It will make the difference in our lives. If you look in Mark chapter one, verse fourteen to verse fifteen, the Bible says that is Jesus speaking. As his final says, he says, "Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom." And saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. What was he saying? The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, that is, turn around. Believe the gospel. What was he saying? The period of the tyrant has come to an end. Turn away from his lies. Turn away from his illusions. Focus on the gospel. Believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And today I want to add you, hope in church members, as we f- finalize for this particular morning, I want to add you one thing. Regardless of all the books and all the references you can be referring to in the whole world, all the men and women you can be referring to in the whole world, I want you to do one thing for me. And that is for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want each one of us, go back to the Gospels. Go back to the book of Acts. Those five books, I want you to go and devour, devour, literally devour them. Read over and over again. Look at these particular Gospels intently. Read what Jesus did. Read what the apostles did. Read what Jesus did. Read what the apostles did. Read over and over and over. I tell you one thing, a new flame is going to arise in your spirit. The faith that God has delivered that has once for all been delivered unto us. This is the faith that sees the opportunity. This is the faith that that is faith is the eye that sees the opportunity. Faith is the eye that sees the way of escape. All these are found in Jesus Christ. That's why Abraham was glad that he saw him. Faith is born of the word. And hence, faith hears the word of God. When the word comes through, whether you're in bed, whether you're in your dream, whether somebody is preaching, that your faith will be stirred up. We are going to come back to that, maybe God willing, next week. But your faith is stirred up. And it recognizes every sign and every indication that the word gives. Any spark that the word gives, faith is able to catch it. That is the true faith, which is the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what God wants you and I. That's what God wants Hope Community Church to receive. That faith is going to turn around our communities. That faith is going to draw sinners unto the Lord Jesus Christ. That Mm -hmm. faith is going to make you, because it has stirred you up, you are going to invite your brother, your sister, even on WhatsApp, while we are still on WhatsApp, you're going to tell them, join us, join us on, on WhatsApp, because there is something good that is happening in our midst. Come and receive a faith that overcomes the world. Come and experience this particular faith that makes the difference for the glory of God. This is the faith that knocks that devil of disease from off of your platform. That faith will knock off that particular devil of curses that have been out. You've felt curses are in your family. That faith will knock off those particular curses because it is the faith that overcomes the world. I say, let the faith of Jesus arise in you. Let the faith of Jesus arise in me. God willing, next week, we will be able to continue with looking unto Jesus. White is it that he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. God wants us to be stirred up in this faith. We shall do exploits for the glory of God in Jesus' name. Father, Amen. let it be that, Lord, this faith, which has once for all been delivered to the believer, this faith, which has once and for all been delivered to the children of God, that is the faith of Jesus Christ. Let it arise in each one of us. Let it arise in every man, every woman, every young man, every young lady, in our children, oh God. Let this faith arise. I'm praying for a hunger for uh, to seek even the, the the account of you yourself, Jesus, in the Gospels again to arise in each one of us. This faith shall bloom and blossom like never before. And Lord, your church will grow because faith arises for the honor of your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.